Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your smiling faces. Now today, uh, we are chatting with, I've done it again, it's not we, I, <laughs> I am chatting with, um, look, just between you, me, and the sweaty towel that you are no doubt using to mop your sweaty brow during that tough trainer session, uh, Joycey, Rachel Joyce, is she's one of my favorites. And it's, don't tell the others, it's not just because uh, she was an incredible athlete, uh, she's highly intelligent, caring, giving, down to earth. It's not just because of all of those amazing traits that she has. It's uh, it's also because uh, we became fast friends many years ago and she actually saw wits up uh, grow uh, from you know from its birth to what we are today and it all started back in the day when she knocked on my front door and stayed with us for the inaugural Ironman Melbourne. So safe to say she quite possibly saw me at my craziest and full credit to her uh, she stuck with it and has continued to be my mate ever since that first day. Uh, some great stories with Joycey. I really enjoyed catching up with her. Uh, it was just like two old mates catching up for a beer or a wine. Uh, it just happened to be over the interwebs. All right, let's get stuck into my chat with the one and only Rachel Joycey Joyce. Joycey, I knew this was going to happen. We've been chatting for about half an hour before I even hit record. <laughs> I'm all done. And I'm out of chat. Yeah. <laughs> I said I needed you for an hour, but I think both of, we both knew that it was going to be a lot longer than an hour just catching up, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm ready. <laughs> Prepared. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. I've had, um, so we had Sarah Piampiano on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And one of the first stories I asked, oh, sorry, one of the first questions I asked her was, do you remember when we first met? And her response is going to be the same as your response. How we first met. I stayed in you your remember? house for <laughs> yes. Ironman Melbourne 2012. It was the perfect build up to any race. <laughs> you got, living you got chef <laughs> yes exactly and what was actually I, I remember like my the two standout things I remember were you were creating you were just making the move to create wits up at that point and I remember thinking like I was just it was amazing because you were just you were talking to um now my mind's gonna go blank um pioneer of sport woman I know her uh, uh of our sport yes um oh. crawled over the finish line Julie Moss Julie Moss you were talking to her like she was one of your first people to interview I think um I remember you were chatting yeah. to her anyway and starting up wits up um and uh, you kind of drew like I you kind of drew attention to things that I kind of was aware of but I was like oh you've kind of realized that this is this massive issue of um a lack of coverage you know that we've been kind of complaining about when you know you're trying to find out what's going on in a race and you kind of your feed's full of what's happening in the men's race and you're actually doing something about it and putting yourself out there and you know working all hours to kind of get it set up 
Um, and the other thing I remember is I've never eaten so well <laughs> before, a, <laughs> before a race. And then I kind of was like, I, you made me so welcome. And I was like, I have to cook a meal. F- you know, I need to cook for my hosts at least once. But I was so nervous just watching Brett's face <laughs> as he <laughs> tried what I cooked. And I was like, he was just being polite. And uh, then it went back to uh, him cooking. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun um a fun build up i didn't heed your i remember you like if you go on the bike do not go on this road because there are tray there are tram lines and i went out and i fell off my bike on the tram lines as well <laughs> and, and smashed your um ipad i think it was you had I your, did. your ipad it was like devastating yeah. <laughs> oh gosh but but that's not where the story ends rachel <laughs> so then I thought then I you got back not, yes I thought I should probably not go out on my bike again because I kind of my wrist was yeah I felt a bit beaten up like it was funny <laughs> kind of uh but I was like I'm just gonna go on the trainer so I borrowed your trainer and uh fell off it <laughs> I think I put a hole in your wall or something <laughs> I just remember uh, like I remember because, you, you know, because we've got high ceilings, wooden floorboards, so you can kind of hear everything in this house and you hear the click of you, you know, clipping into the to the pedals and then I reckon <laughs> seven seconds later it was it was like a car had driven through the back room of our house and Brett and I were like, what the fuck was that? And we've run in and you're like still kind of half clipped into your bike on the ground. <laughs> Oh my God! What are you? And I, th- I think it may have even been uh, Belly. Was it Luke Bell? Maybe who introduced us originally? Yes, yes, it was yeah. Luke Bell. Yeah, because he was coached by Matt Dixon, who I was, was yes. coaching me at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. So he he put put me in touch with you, and yeah, fell off your trainer. Uh, I text him. I'm like, who's this numpty that you sent sent our way? That's meant to be a pro athlete. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I was then running out of options. You know, I was like, I'm not going out on the road. I'm not getting back on the trainer. So I went to a velodrome, which is hardly like the most easy place to ride a time trial bike. But um, that's what I did, I think, for my last ride yep. before I met I actually don't. Yeah, I don't think I let you go anywhere. I was like, there's a velodrome. Like, just do yes. not deviate from there and come back because I'm not having your blood on my hands. <laughs> yes. um, so it's it's actually really cool um, from a selfish point of view to reflect on that period of time because, we yeah, we launched Wits Up two nights after Iron Man Melbourne. Uh yeah, so I'm in Melbourne was a Sunday, Monday was like the after party, and then Tuesday night we launched it, um, and it, like it was it was very hectic. Um, and I remember saying to you, "Is there any chance you can come?" And you were trying to change your flights because you were going to go visit your sister in in Perth, and so you were going to try and stay in Melbourne a little bit longer. But you yes, couldn't. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Like I wish I'd known beforehand. Um, yeah, what you were doing. Um, yeah, so I saw mm. like I watched your your launch from um, afar, but look how far you've come. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that was twenty twelve. Like because I 
I'm now old, so now that feels like two years ago, not eight years ago. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, long, long time ago. Um, and how and long prior ago? to that, oh, yeah, sorry. sorry, carry on, carry on. Oh no, I was just going to say, and prior to that, and I only just uh, realized this the other day because I was like cleaning up Facebook stuff, and before I even launched WhatsApp, and it was obviously something that was leading me towards WhatsApp, but without knowing, I actually started a Facebook page called Steph Hansen Triathlon Updates, and I would watch races from afar, just um. Twitter updates, results, what was happening, and just update everyone on my own Facebook page and just give a give a running commentary with with comments on my Facebook page. Oh, I love it. So yeah. the idea was there. And did you get yeah. did you have like a following with with that page? Like yeah. With, I mean Australia? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, don't know how how big it got, but it certainly uh yeah, we certainly yeah. had uh interactions because people I think because I was writing for a magazine at the time um, yes, here in yeah. Australia, people, you know, used to think that I had a bit more of a inside edge. So I was yeah. like, oh, no one else is doing it. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed and doing it. Just, I was watching that, all of them. Yeah, that just reminds me of how, because you were working, were you working as a personal trainer at the same time as you started Wits Up? Yeah. As well? Yeah. And then, and then you became the editor of, Australian triathlete I was like you, you did yep. a lot like you were very busy for um and you did so much like there were many different ways you were doing stuff for women's sport um yeah but yeah was, it, it, yeah balancing those two must have been um tough yeah it, it may or may not have led to my small breakdown a few years ago when I was doing essentially two full-time jobs and still training for iron distance racing yes, and also yeah. organizing our wedding as well because the wedding like I feel like that was such a massive event because it wasn't just a simple you know walk down an aisle and drink booze afterwards like we did a triathlon the morning of our wedding and there was it was a whole thing so yeah yeah it was a busy yeah. few years <laughs> yes <laughs> but now it's amazing uh, so, yeah. because now I feel like um, you know, if I tune into a race now, like because of wits up, I have a better idea of what, you know, anyone following a race, we are much more informed about from the build up to who's racing to during the race, you know, you have spotters out there and you're reporting. So we know what's actually happening in the race and then the interviews afterwards. So it's kind of, I feel like you've shifted the power, you know, now the men are like, well, we need a, you know, like they're, they're not getting the in-depth. I feel like they, you, well, you're doing a better job now than kind of the other, um, you know, the kind of mainstream almost. You've kind of shifted the balance a lot. So it's a big change oh. in eight years. Thank you. Um, this has been a good 10 minutes of talking about me. Sorry, that's <laughs> not where this is intended to go. <laughs> I'm much more comfortable with that. <laughs> we need to be talking about Rachel Joycey Joyce. Um, how do you feel about that nickname? It's a very Australian thing to just be throwing a Y on the end of a name. I quite like Joycey, yeah. I oh, was called that a oh, bit. Well, my, I had an older brother. Well, I have an older brother. And so going through school, oh. he was always Joycey. And so then I became Joycey's sister. So, um, yeah. It has been one of my um, nicknames growing up. 
Yeah. So let's talk about where you grew up. Because I I I actually I need to ask this as well. Is it offensive to say that you are British or should I say you are English? Um no British I think is I would always say I'm That's British okay. most of the time versus I am English and British. So, yeah. Right. Cuz someone pulled me up on it. Um this is outside of the triathlon world and I called him I think I said oh, I was a great Brit and he's like no that's like saying you're um an oceanic or something like that and and I said oh sorry I I didn't actually realize that that was offensive he was offended by it so I was like what have was I, he from, what have been was he was he english or cuz I couldn't imagine if yeah. you were welsh or scottish you might there's a bit more identity tied up you know uh, and pride in being welsh or scottish or Irish, you know from yeah, um, right. Northern Ireland, but um, or Cornwall, no, which is where Brett's from. Yeah, I don't know. I guess some people identify more with being English versus British, but yeah, yeah. All right, live and learn. Whereabouts yeah. did you grow up? Talk, talk us through that. <laughs> um, well, I kind of, I always feel like I give a more complicated answer than is necessary. But I was born in Mexico. Um, and I lived there with, you know, my parents lived, had moved there when my mum was pregnant with me and we lived there until I was about four. And then we moved, I think by the time I was 10, I had moved about 10 times. Um, so I always say, when, where did I grow up? Like a, a mixture of places until I was 10. And then I grew up in the east of England in Suffolk. What this, did your parents yeah. do to be tr- moving all over the place? Cement. My dad worked in the cement <laughs> industry. <laughs> What did he do? Cement. So many old take you places. <laughs> so um, he so he worked for a, a company, and then they bought um, a Mexican cement company, which was his. Op- you know, they kind of wanted to travel, and so they moved out to Mexico. Uh, when I think my mum was six months pregnant with me, which I always now that I've had children, the idea of you know giving birth in a country where you're only just learning the language is pretty terrifying but it, so I'm kind yeah. of it's pretty adventurous now I think yeah and that. not having um social media at your fingertips to no. contact friends you know when you're awake at two o'clock in the morning and yeah yeah that, geez that is very impressive yeah um and but they they made a really they kind of had a really tight community once they got out there that you know it made Mm. making friends kind of um kind of easier in some respects yeah so um but I grew up in a small town called Woodbridge in Suffolk um and lived there from like 10 to 18 until I went to uni so it's a pretty small place it's small uh in what respect it's just it was a small town. I kind of I went to a high school that um, was uh, like the catchment area was pretty big, and it was very kind of arable farming. So a lot of my friends lived out in the countryside and kind of came. So it had a large catchment area, but it was a fairly small school, probably um, five hundred people, maybe maybe less than that, right. three hundred. I don't know. So. Now, when I think of how big schools are here, you know, my primary school had like a less than 100 people. So it, see, it seemed big at the time because the first primary school I went to had about 
40 people um 40 oh, wow. kids so um when I went to the next when we moved house I was like this is big but it wasn't really um <laughs> into the but, big spark yeah. <laughs> yes but it did mean that like I excelled in sport because there weren't many people <laughs> at the school um and I did <laughs> you can <laughs> You can only race who's on the start line. It's it's all you can do. Yeah. And I loved I it wasn't like I, I really loved sport and uh I would do absolutely everything, even though I anything involving a ball I just wasn't very good at, but I would get picked for the netball team or the rounders team because uh what I lacked in talent or ability you know I could run so I would cover a lot of ground so even if I couldn't throw the ball they were like she will just run she will just go and get that ball um so I did I did really love sport um and and cross country just go fetch go fetch (laughs) exactly um so I I did a bit of everything but I always loved swimming was always my like big big love um and it was um but I came from a small town so like swimming to me was going swimming three times a week whilst you know the bigger town which was Ipswich which is still not a big really big town they had like a proper swim team where you know they went swimming early in the morning um swam seven to nine times a week we were like we could only get the pool three times a week and I'd be swimming like nine till ten in the evening um but I loved it yeah like it was really late now I think I was pretty young at the time um and I remember like having to kind of stay awake maybe I exaggerate that maybe it was eight till nine but it felt really late (laughs) (laughs) felt like midnight at the time (laughs) oh far out so then you're going to high school uh in a reasonably small town um and sport not being well can I say sport at the top end not a big thing no in fact um the head teacher of my school was really anti-competition in sport and so I would I would go and do like the county championship cross country and I'd get picked to represent Suffolk at the eastern counties and she would be like oh I think this is really you know I don't think Rachel should get a day off to go and do this competition because she didn't think sports competition was very good full stop so it was kind of actively discouraged and as I started to achieve more in sport she would kind of say to my parents oh I think you know she should really be thinking you know she should really be focusing on her schoolwork and not going to school unfortunately maybe she knew my she was she wasn't really for sport but my parents thought it was a good opportunity to kind of you know let a way to see the country and then eventually there were yeah. some kind of more international competitions um and to me it was like well I'll show you uh, this is part of my personality it'd be like well I'll show you I can I can do the sport and I can achieve in the on the academic side as well so it kind of worked to my favor I guess because then I kind of wanted to prove her that like my <laughs> test scores weren't going to um be you know adversely impacted by going away to race places I did I did once this is a real like tangent I did do this race I can't remember what it was but it was I was swimming and it was in Germany and 
like we did the race. I can't, I can barely remember anything about the actual competition, but it was the first time I actually had alcohol and it didn't go very well. And I remember <laughs> we had to get the bus back and the ferry back the next day. And then I had my German GCSE oral exam the day I, after I got back. And my friend, this is the small town it was, my friend babysat for my German teacher and she was babysitting for her two days after my German oral exam. And she said, well, Rachel's German certainly didn't improve with her direct to Germany. <laughs> I'd just spent five days in Germany, but it was like my first ever hangover. <laughs> so we could barely <laughs> string two German words together. So, uh, um, yeah. That That's funny because of- I... Sorry, I was just going to say, I speak really good German when I'm drunk. Yeah, I probably would have been better <laughs> if had I still been a little bit drunk when I went in there. <laughs> oh, uh, goodness. Okay. Yeah, well, that was going to be one of my questions is how, do, how does an elite athlete um, come out of, uh, well, I guess a school that's essentially not encouraging that kind of uh, pursuit? But it sounds like you are very similar to me in terms of personality is like, tell me I can't do something is the greatest ammunition uh, for me to go out and do it for sure. And it sounds like you're the same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I did even what I was, I mean, I love, I really love swimming and then I started to get better and I would quite, I remember qualifying for the first national, my first age group national championships. And it was a bit of a surprise and we'd already as a family booked to go on holiday to Cornwall, which is in England. But, uh, and this is a real reflection, you know, my parents always wanted to give all of us opportunities. So they didn't say, no, we're on holiday that week. We just literally packed up the car and then we went to Crystal Palace for a stop. I went, got out. I swam 100 meters breaststroke. I got back in the car and we went to Cornwall on holiday. And that was kind of how we, we did it. So I wasn't like, you know, when I got there, I was like, okay, some people are taking this really seriously. Um, you know, I've got my three siblings in a packed up car and I was like, okay, that's that. And then we went on holiday. But I, I then started getting more and more serious. And I, it became actually, I had to, I wanted to join the next the the Ipswich Swimming Club because I thought there I can train more and the coach had kind of approached me saying have you thought about you know training a bit more seriously and um, I had the opposite to pushy parents in that they wanted to give us every opportunity possible um, but I am one of four and joining a swim club is expensive and you know if they were going to let me join this other swim club then that opportunity had to be available to my siblings if they wanted to do it so they had to really you know budget it to allow me to go um and it was kind of me putting my case forward and that was always what it was like they uh-huh. 100% supported me um when I joined but it was they were never the parents saying you have to go swimming in the morning I'd be like if I do the dishwasher all week can I do one extra morning swim session this week um and they'd be like, they did not like getting up to take me swimming at 5.30 in the <laughs> morning. Enough. So they'd be like, yeah, absolutely fair enough. I'm, I'm like, how much do I want, how much do I want Archie or Benjamin to be good swimmers? Because you kind yeah. of are signing up to quite a, a regime. Um, but they, 
my mum would kind of have more of a finger on the pulse of like she would know the qualifying times or you know roughly what times I was going for and never push me but just so that she could talk to me afterwards about you know she'd know if I would be pleased or disappointed whereas my dad would his he always had the same thing as like did you have fun and I was like well not really my body was full of lactic acid but yeah it was kind of fun and um and it, it there was zero pressure from my parents it was I was it was very much self self-driven um, and do you reckon that self-driven sort of internal um motivation is still who you are today and throughout your triathlon career yeah I think so and um for for most things it was it's mostly about I would say in swimming it I was very self-driven and I I loved the training um but I definitely reached a point with swimming where I kind of sapped all the joy out of it because I became so focused on the results rather than the process of getting there and that's ultimately why I ended up kind of walking away from from it at 17 um but yeah definitely I think anything that I do if if I'm in into it then I kind of want to be a hundred percent um into it and I, I don't generally have trouble with motivation yeah right okay I so yeah, I, I mean <laughs> from an outsider looking in and I like I like to think I know you reasonably reasonably well um I'm pretty positive that's the case you don't get to where you've been um without being and I think one of the big differences with you is um that internal motivation is obvious because um and correct me if I'm wrong but the other things during your career just didn't seem I don't know, it didn't bother you. You were just trying to, to me, it seemed really obvious that you were just trying to get the absolute best out of yourself um, in the sport of triathlon. It wasn't about the accolades. It wasn't about um, the, the notoriety or anything like that. That's that's how I always viewed you. And I think it's one of the reasons, um, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I've told you this, but one of the questions I ask people in video interviews or whatever um, is who do they like racing the most and your name always pops up and I think that's one of the reasons is because you you're competitive but it's it's very much an internal motivation it's not about yeah being um motivated to beat a specific person or you you truly want to be the best um athlete that you can be am I kind of on the right track yeah no I think that that's it was all there was never like a I think standing on the start line, it was always the type, the most disappointing races I've had were when I felt like I let myself down. It wasn't about mm. if someone had beaten me. Um, obviously, I I liked winning, which involves beating <laughs> people. Um, but um, always the the races that really stand out for me are the ones where I really know that I did ever you know I kind of maximized what I could do in that race and um that's why like if I think of some of my results it's why my first ever Kona is one of like is one of the highlights of my career because I 
was a relative unknown and mm. like I probably kind of almost like punched a bit above my weight in <laughs> that race and then conversely one of my most disappointing races is Kona 2014 when I came third because not because I got of because I was beaten because I really felt like I didn't it it just wasn't my best race for me at that time um so right. it was kind of more of an internal disappointment of like what happened out there kind of thing um and it's yeah. it's yeah, and I think that comes down to kind of me having some concept of like knowing what I could do and knowing that it didn't or did happen on a certain day. Yeah. Uh, I've never actually asked anyone this question, um, but I feel like I can. I feel quite comfortable asking you. So with based on what you just said, do you feel like the Kona title slipped from your grasp? Um. Not, I, I feel like I, I, for, I felt like that year, 2014, I had the potential, like I was, if I, something happened that day and I know that I, like, it sounds coulda, woulda, shoulda, and it's not mm. on anyone else, but I know that I kind of let myself down and maybe I wouldn't have won it, but I definitely know I didn't do something right that day and um so if if there's any Kona where I'm like oh it's that one uh and <laughs> I really beat myself up about it for quite right like I, I almost couldn't think about it because I was like oh that just really it's a really annoying race to think about yeah. um and you know time passes and you're like ultimately you know it it was one race and um I've never really defined myself on my results but it doesn't mean that I'm I, I still you know there's still at the time the disappointment was pretty raw mm. it's not raw like that anymore but I still I'm like oh it's just a bit annoying thinking about it yeah um, so, <laughs> it's yeah. also um from I guess a media and a fan point of view is you know, sort of the instant reaction is top three. That's amazing. You're amazing. And um, I assume as a pro athlete, you know, you don't want to seem um, uh, ungrateful is not the right word, um, but you don't want to seem like a, a sore loser um, or, you know, publicly disappointed with a third place because, yeah, third place at Ironman World Championships is amazing. But you you ask any athlete, age grouper, professional, everyone um, dissects their race after their race, whether it's been a fantastic race or not. Every single person does that. But I feel like if you have just come third at Kona, you don't get that opportunity to do it publicly. It's almost like do you feel like you need to put on a, a little bit of a front Yes, absolutely. Because it wasn't like, even if you asked me today, I feel like I let myself down in that race, but I have, I was beaten fair and square. So it wasn't mm. like the Daniela and Rini executed a, a much, you know, much better races than I did. Um, so it's very, a very internal thing. But even mm. on that race, like I found doing the post race interviews incredibly, you know, I was like, 
I just wanted to burst into tears, which you can't really do when... Yeah. It just was really, it was very difficult because I knew even, I knew even like in the last, I just knew something hadn't, I hadn't done myself justice somehow. And it, it was um, uh, just from how training had gone. And that's just the really mm. the one race where it was. But ultimately, um, yeah, I, I do feel like, It's kind of differentiating like being a sore, I don't know, it's a fine line between being a sore loser mm. and just, that's why I kind of, at the time, I, I, I hope I didn't kind of, that didn't come across at the race and I kind of took that back to the, the condo and kind of processed it privately. Yeah. Um, but it did mean... Um, it really motivated me for Bahrain, Challenge Bahrain that year. And it also um, gave, it, it kind of made me assess where I was in the sport. And I realized I had been, I'd kind of gone back to a place where I was very, I was too focused on a result and had kind of lost a bit of joy in the sport. So it kind of really made me assess how I was training and what I wanted to do in 2015 because I also at that point in my career I knew that I would be wanting to start a family at, in the kind of near future and so if I wanted to carry on in the sport I needed to kind of really find the joy again and um, mm. so I, I did make quite a lot of changes um, both into looking at performance but also kind of thinking about okay what is going to bring return you know bring back the joy in the sport um and that's when I started working with Julie Dibbins at in the beginning of 2015 um so and it, it did I don't think 2015 kind was particularly my finest hour but I had a really <laughs> it was it was a, a decent race but Daniela was like 20 minutes up the road um <laughs> but I I found I really enjoyed the process of uh preparing for the race and the whole year training with a group I did a much more training with other people which was a bit different to um how I trained um the yeah. few years before that yeah what what words would you use to describe dibs um she is Like she is, she's just, I'd say very authentic. You know, there's no pretense. Um, mm. she, she's a great coach. She, you know, she ca really cares. Um, and she's really fun. Um, and you have to learn how to read her. <laughs> you know, she's, she's quite, can be very difficult to read. There's a better word for that. Um, but I think she'd probably, she can be a, uh, um what's the word can you think of a word for i'm i'm trying to because it's really hard enigmatic she's... <laughs> all right we'll go with that <laughs> she she's because she she's kind of, kind of this no bullshit kind of person but also a hell of a lot of fun as well mm. i just yeah she's um i've 
like I've been number one fan of dibs forever and I every chance I get to tell her I do because I just I used to love the way she raced because race um because back in the day you wouldn't see as many women sort of swim bike off the front. Like it just, yes, like, you know, yeah. that, that used to be the the men's way of winning back back then. Like that's where you see a lot of the, um, you know, like the, the German powerhouses would just ride off the front and we saw Dibs doing that and I was like, yeah, that's cool because, you yeah. know, for me it was all about the bike, probably still is all about the bike to be honest um, for me. And so I just, I was such a fan of the way that she raced Um but I think the way that she races also is akin to her personality a bit. Like it's kind of no bullshit. I'm getting out there. I'm getting this done and I'm just because she's smashing the bike. She just seems to love it. Like she loves the bike, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And it's funny because when I like, – I was such a – I've always been a real fan of – Julie and yeah. like I went to Athens to watch the Athens Olympics in 2004 and I was like I didn't even do triathlon then but watched the triathlon watched you know and I knew you know I'd read about Julie she was representing GB and then when I came mm. to and I did bar um, Abu Dhabi a few times and I kind of I was like when she knew you know she I think she was commentating the year after like I remember doing it one year when I was getting time checks and it went from like 20 minutes to 25 minutes I was like you can stop <laughs> you can stop with the splits <laughs> like she's half an hour at the road she's probably gonna finish the, the run by the time um but then when I moved uh, when I came to Boulder to like see if it was somewhere where I would like to live I kind of reached out to her and um she was like the most she was super welcoming and um I've never forgotten that because I, I was like uh, kind of starstruck when I moved here and, you know, yeah, right. like uh, there's Crowey and there's Rinny and, there, you know, I knew Chrissy, um, but she had left Boulder by the time I came here. But Julie was just very, you know, she really made an effort and kind of introduced me to a bunch of other people to kind of, um, so I kind of felt like I had a few friends and she really included me yeah. and, um, you know, I haven't forgotten that. I mean, then we became friends and um, then she was my coach. And even now, you know, yeah. as I've been transitioning out of the sport, I will send, you know, because transitioning out of the of sport that's been your dream job is difficult. It has its challenges. And Ugh. she's someone that went through it. And, you know, every every now and again, I'll be like, oh, did you ever, did you feel like this sometimes? And she just gives me very honest but you know kind of a reassuring a mm. uh, few words which are helpful so. that's good hands up if you too are a fan of rachel joycey joyce so many interesting insights and we've still got lots to come from joycey as well look this is one of the things i love about the podcast is it's a really good opportunity to get some in-depth insights into the person behind the athlete and you just don't get that on other platforms. So if you enjoy the interesting and unique stories that we tell and the content that we produce across all of the Wits Up platforms, then help us continue to do that uh, by subscribing to become a Wits Up Patreon member. All you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast. Do you, do you think of yourself as 
a shy kind of person? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I've always, uh, yeah, I think um, generally um, reserved, definitely reserved. Um, and yeah. um, I try, I, I probably try and, this because if you're shy, it can also come across as like you're standoffish and rude. So I really try and kind of fight against that element of being shy so that it's not um, misconstrued. Right. But um, I've always been pretty sh shy ever since, you know, through school. Um, and, and I think once once people get to know me, I'm kind of much more open. But yeah. 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 So how does a shy person thrive um, in the world of elite and professional sport? But also prior to that, and we've talked way too much about triathlon, we'll try and get off that subject. Um, but prior to that, you're a lawyer, which I imagine to an extent has to come with some kind of, now what word do I use for this? Um, confidence. I was going to say ego, but that's not right. But confidence. But I guess you can be shy and confident, right? Yeah, and I think um, that is, I wouldn't say I necessarily lack, sometimes I lack confidence like anyone, but I think often people can think, can kind of mix the two up. And mm. to, be, to be honest, I think sometimes that really helped me in law because I would, people would think because I was fairly quiet, they could kind of ah. sneak things through the door. But I am actually fairly assertive and confident that I could hold my own in those situations. And um, I actually really enjoyed <laughs> doing that. Um, <laughs> and I, I, when I was a lawyer, I definitely um, favoured doing the non-contentious work, which is kind of more drafting and it's more problem solving. And um, when, whenever I would have a big meeting, to because I'm fairly introverted I knew that I needed to be prepare more for those meetings so that I could kind of have that confidence um and just really pep myself up for them um and this, similarly like I did quite a lot of contentious work as well and it just like you can do anything it's just some kind of give you energy and some just take a bit more energy out of you so mm -hmm. I would always um like give me I mean it's not I didn't this this it wasn't my vocation but I kind of liked drafting and the problem solving that went with that and would be quite happy to kind of um just um be left to kind of get on with it and talk to the client and um but when necessary I can kind of go out there and <laughs> I think when you think of that of being an elite athlete um I found Kona race week very exhausting you know exhausting yeah. because there's a lot of being out in front of people and I it's not like I'm not a people person it's just I will definitely usually I wouldn't cram as much into one week of being out there and mm. you know doing the interviews and everything I, I would look to stagger that over several weeks so I had like I I think I 
kind of would get very in in kind of race week I was very protective over my time because I knew that I found that quite exhausting so I knew that I needed to build a lot of time just to kind of hang out in our condo um, yeah. and I wish I could be that easygoing person where like I was like you know like it didn't matter but I just knew I kind of needed to kind of save my energy for race day definitely and that's the thing um one of the things I guess uh between an introvert and extrovert is you know the extroverted athletes out there they draw energy from that kind of thing that that gives them energy but for an introverted person it's taking it away so I mean the key has to be that you recognize that um you know, because we want the best version of you on the on the start line. Uh, but I can guarantee you, it never came across in a bad way at at all. Although in saying that, you never said no to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I generally was quite good, but I like I I wouldn't be someone that was would kind of go out for dinner with people. Mm. You know, I would kind of. I just would then be sat in a room, like be very quiet on race week. And it was always funny because, you know, Brett raced a few, a couple of the Konas that I raced and we kind of quite different. Whereas I will just like be very quiet and kind of not talk. And he would Mm. want to talk a bit more about the race. And, you know, we kind (laughs) of learned that he would kind of meet his friends to talk about the race. And I would just kind of sit in a quiet room (laughs) and that's, and that's just generally what I'm like, like noise, I find quite tiring. So, um, like, <laughs> he'll be like, go stay with me for a week. <laughs> and it, but like, Brett would love like having music, like he likes music and I like listening to music, but there's a time in the day where I'm just like, I like absolutely quiet. And he's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, this, this is just bliss. I love it. <laughs> um, See, I... I clearly don't love it, but I recognise that it's probably good for me every now and then to just switch off my brain and have silence. (laughs) I can't always do it. I do love it. I do. I I try to persuade uh, Archie for like a quiet moment in the. You know, he's dropping his afternoon nap. I'm like, how about we just like have a quiet half an hour? And like (laughs) ninety seconds later, he's like, okay, right, let me carry on talking to you. I'm like, okay. That's what we've got to. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it when like, we're hanging out with mates and like if we've had people over for dinner and they're like, oh, sorry, we've, you know, we've pumped Frankie up at night time and that's a bad thing. And I'm like, are you kidding? I- I'm the worst culprit for that. I forget that I'm a mum and I still think that I'm the cool auntie that does that kind of shit with kids. <laughs> but I have a theory that it works because she's so exhausted by the end of the day. She sleeps all the way through. So... For us, it works. Yes, yeah. No, I think it's definitely like, uh, um, yeah. There, are, I have to like, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not always quiet. I just like to have that moment in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also go by that. I'm like sometimes like the thing we're we're watching at the moment. We watched Trolls with Archie for the first time, and now we have to have a dance party. Um, yes. most days and that is perfect because like he will work himself he'll have a sweat on and then he's like out for the count you know he, usually he'll like sit in his bed like reading books and stuff but if we've had a dance party he's like straight out so oh, I love good. it the, 
our favorite song at the moment that our mates got us onto is uh, couldn't tell you who the artist artist is, but it's called Red Light Green Light, um, which sounds like a kid's song, but it's not. And it's a dance song, and it says, you know, when I say red light, you stop, and when I say green light, you go. So she does that, and then there's a strobe part, and so we flick the lights on and off. This is a light five to seven. <laughs> she goes to bed at seven, and I'm doing this, and Brett's just walking in like, oh my god, but. Highly recommend it. If you want a dance party, check out Red Light, Green Light okay. um, on YouTube or whatever. It's so it's so much fun. And I it's learning. It what does red light mean? You well, Archie loves that game, but he thinks he can play it with anyone we meet on a trail. So he'll be like, he'll just stand right in front of them. And this is awkward during oh. social distancing because he'll be like, red light. And they're like looking at him like, what? Red light. And I'm like, just say green light, please. <laughs> Space. <laughs> oh so, goodness. Yeah. Oh funny. Who do you who do you think um oh, it might be a bit hard with Ben do you say Benj? Benji? What do you um, say? A little bit. Word? I say Benji quite a lot at the moment because I think maybe right. he'll grow out of that, but you know, he's a cute little baby, so he's Benji. Yeah, he's he's pretty cute. <laughs> it, so it might be a bit hard to tell already with Benji, but with Archie, who do you think he's more like? Or what what does he what sort of personality traits does he take from you and then take from Brett, do you think? Um he is he's pretty cheeky. Like he can be he's got a good sense of like a cheeky sense of humour where he'll be like He'll just like look at you at the corner of his eye and um, tell a joke. And that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments was when like he told, a, you know, like his own joke, like, oh. and I was like, this is, you know, we're laughing at his joke. It was, it, I don't know, telling jokes is kind of a little, I don't know, it doesn't happen straight away, but it was actually funny. Um, but he's quite, he's very determined. I think he's quite like Brett in that he's I don't know fairly he can be really focused and really serious about something but also then yeah. t- kind of turns it around and will be jokey and he also um they both love the same music and they'll just like sit in our basement where the big speakers are and they'll just they'll be like playing <laughs> Oasis and um oh nice the national and just being like walking out it's their like bonding time um Mm. and then benjamin is he is someone that he just he really um responds to people you know he really like he just wants to kind of interact with he's very yeah he wants to interact with you and he kind of wants to get a reaction and he's super smiley and giggly um like just a really happy soul not that benjamin uh, not that archie isn't but he's just like playful in that way so far yeah so we'll see isn't it interesting interesting to see two kids and how their personalities will change but can potentially be so different um yeah 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 um and he's a bit more i think Archie's a bit like, and maybe in my in similar to me, he's quite introverted. So if he's at a party, he'll be like, he'll go in and then he'll come out and have his own space, which is probably a bit like me. Um, and I'm getting yeah. the feeling that Benjamin is going to be like, I want to be in the mix, which <laughs> might be a bit more like Brett. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so with your siblings, so you're one of four, which I actually learnt that today. Um, I didn't realise there were mm-hmm. four of you. Yes. That's a lot. Yeah. It, now I'm like, good grief. Yeah. <laughs> good grief. Uh, good grief. What a, that is such a great phrase. That's from Charlie Brown. <laughs> good grief. That's all I can think of. <laughs> you know, I love like, it. There's, I'm the second, so I've got an older brother who's about 18 months older than me, and then there's a gap between me and my younger brother where that was my mum persuading my dad that he did want two more children because <laughs> um, my mum is one of four as well. So then I have so I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister um, who you've met, Katie. Yeah. Yes, on the bike course at Bustleton. Yes, yeah. She actually is one of those people. She did – uh, Bustleton and she like was doing awesome and she really really struggled at the back end of the run with gastric issues and she said to me she was like don't even say it I am never doing one of these effing things again people say <laughs> that I will I will not <laughs> and I love it she's like she stuck to it she's like one and done um yeah so yeah but she so she's I might get this wrong but didn't she used to race in cycling no have I made that up yeah she was on a a bike team in Perth um Ah. cycling yeah and then um thought you know Brussels she lives in Perth Australia Western Australia so she thought with Bustleton just down the road she'd give it a go um yeah and she did and she did great but she never wants to do one again, which is fair enough. And I um, totally, it's crazy. Yeah. Why would you do an Ironman? <laughs> <laughs> she also thought that she'd be doing uh, an Ironman and only her, only her close friends and family would know about it. And then I roll up <laughs> on a motorbike, yes. <laughs> taking photos of her and tweeting. I think yes. I was tweeting about it. <laughs> yes there was nothing incognito about that debut (laughs) not when I'm there (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, okay so you both ended up being um you know pretty pretty top end um elite athletes what about the brothers um my older brother was he was always sporty but never he never really had that competitive that will you know I think he just didn't it just didn't float his boat he would ride mountain bikes um and so yeah so he he would he was active but not competitive uh he could have been he was really good he played a lot of tennis and then my younger brother I'd say we like we were he came out he joined that Ipswich swimming club with me and we would do those early mornings together and um he was he has that same real competitive. I feel like I, I can kind of like, I'm extremely competitive, but sometimes I hide it a little bit, but it's very real. Uh, I'm not sure he hides it so much. He's extreme (laughs) and he's extremely driven and he was a really good, he was a good swimmer and he was a really good tennis player as well and played to a pretty high level and basketball at uni as well. I think he, played for English universities um oh wow yeah so he got and the hand eye coordination yeah and Katie was <laughs> I think she, I mean she was smart because 
you know, we lived in a small town. We all went to school, and she was so she would always get the question from teachers. So, you know, what what are you going to do? You know, are you going to be a swimmer like your sister or a tennis player like your brother? And she was like, No, I'm going to go and play the piano, uh, which I thought was really <laughs> smart because I'm tone deaf and no one else had played the piano in the in the uh, family. So she kind of carved her own way, um, which was good. I mm. it did. Because you, I mean, the last, I don't, you've got an, a younger brother or an older brother? Uh, both, either side. Both. All right. Because you don't want to be yeah. always compared to your siblings when you're at school. Like, it's really annoying. Um, no, my um, older brother really didn't do much for the Hanson name. Uh, to, to the point that one of his teachers met me, um, I don't know, on the playground or something. And I was doing something silly, not naughty, just I was cheeky, um, you know, a bit of a smart ass. And I told her my name and she said, ah, the notorious Hanson family. And it was right then and then mm. I was like, oh, God, I, I'm screwed. My brother's like just paved this path for me <laughs> and I can either yes. keep going down yes. the same path or I need to, uh, yeah, re- rethink things a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My brother completely uh, blanked me at school. Like, oh, really? He, I think I must have been a pretty. I was a pretty annoying. You know, like I wanted to always hang out with him and his friends growing up, and I think I was just yeah. annoying. So he was like, when I went <laughs> to middle school, he was like, would deliberately look the other way when I was walking down the hall, and then I started oh, no. uh, going out with one of his friends, which was just the worst thing I could have done from his perspective. <laughs> um, uh, so he, I think he pretty much hated me at that point, but we get on fine now, but uh, he didn't love that. <laughs> who, who are you closest to out of, out of the siblings? Um, I think now my, definitely my younger sister. We're really, really close. Right. And we weren't, I mean, the six years between us. So we, you know, growing up, we weren't, super close and when I was 18 she my like my family her and my younger brother and my parents moved to Atlanta the USA so I didn't see her that often but actually that's when we grew very strong because she was 12 or 13 moving it's a really hard time to move to a different country you know 12 and 13 year old girls can be pretty mean Uh, and so (laughs) that's when we grew pretty strong uh, pretty close because we would talk all the time on the phone and I was just kind of like a sounding board and um, then she's always she's been like a mess when I was turning pro she just you know I was thinking back to it she has been like massively supportive she came and watched me do my first Ironman in Florida in 2008 and she's just a really good human being and really funny and you know, you get up so early for an Ironman and she's the person that's like cooking pancakes for everyone at 4am in the morning and being super positive and sprightly. And I I remember uh, she was somewhere on the, on the run course and she was like, she she just brings humor to the, you know, mile 20 of a race. You're pretty humorless, (laughs) but she was like, Rachel, I'm a, I'm at bodily malfunction corner on the run course because she said everyone's just bowed, like stop working when they get here and they're really stinky. 
which was pretty funny. Like I was pretty much walking at that point, but uh, she managed to crack a smile. Um, yeah, and she's come out to Kona and watched there and, um, you know, came yeah. out to Melbourne and watched me race there and came to Aberdeen. You know, she's come to a bunch of my races and I, yeah, really, um, yeah, uh, appreciate mm. her support. And she's just a good person to be around, around a race because uh, she just makes people feel good. You know, she's um, got a great sense yeah. of humor and kind of yeah. builds people up. So. I'm close to yeah. my brothers as well, but um, she, I'm definitely closest with my sister. Yeah. And when you said they moved away, you were obviously at university or college uh, um, when they moved? I, actually, I was, I was, I'd had a, after high school, I went and travelled for a year. I came to your country. I was one of those backpackers. <laughs> I came to Australia for a year and um, I was, I think I stopped in, we were in Hawaii on the way back and I had this call. I, I thought I was telling my parents, okay, I'm going to be, this is a plane I'm getting back. Can you pick me up from the airport? And actually they were like, so two weeks after you get back to the UK, we're moving to Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my so, um, yeah, it was like, um, so I kind of got back and uh, they, we had like a family goodbye. They dropped me at university. We went for lunch and then, they kind of pretty much drove to the airport and moved to Atlanta. So it was, um, I think I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, right yeah. now I really am on my own. <laughs> wow. Is is the cement trade quite big in, in Atlanta, Georgia? It, it, it was thriving in 1997 <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, so, too funny. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't realise that you um, – took a year off before well actually during that year when did you decide that you wanted to study law um do you know this you know you learn and I kind of look back at uh the person who decided that I should do law and so I I finished I did my a levels which are like the, the exams you do at 18 and I got good results and then I went and traveled for a year and it was during that year I was like oh I felt this like external pressure rather than following what I really wanted to do I was like well with those grades you should really do a degree like law so that's when I decided mm. I applied for law and politics and I really loved the politics side of my course and the law was okay I found it quite stifling as a subject to study because you're really just learning definitely as an undergraduate you're kind of just learning what's already been and you're learning ways of thinking whereas I really liked politics because uh it's pretty I learned a lot about it's kind of about how change comes around in different systems and um you, political theory and I found that fascinating um and I could really that's where I was already had was all already kind of very had been vocal in high school about like well if the boys can do that why can't the girls do that so there was a boys nice. football team and but there wasn't one for the girls and I was like well why why isn't there one for the girls and I set up a football team soccer team and then I was like yeah. shit I have to go I hate soccer <laughs> 
But I'm like, I've, I've started this club, you know, me and balls, like I have zero coordination. But, you know, I was like, someone might be good. And then uh, things, there wasn't a 1500 for the girls to do on the track and field. And I was like, well, why not? So I ended up doing the 800 and then running the 1500 on my own just to be like, screw you, girls can run a 1500 meters. Um, And the one thing I never succeeded in doing was there was um, no cricket. Girls weren't allowed to play cricket. And I had these arguments with the, so this is the thing, I'm quite shy, but if I see something that doesn't seem right, I'm like, shyness won't stop me from like going for it. And the, the PE teacher said, well, the ball's very hard. And I was like, well, the ball is very hard for the boys, you know. And we're like 14 at the time. We're pretty much the same size as the boys. It just drove me mad, but they yeah. wouldn't budge on cricket, um, which is good because, I mean, <laughs> me bowl- bowling a ball would have been just horrendous. They'd have had me out outfield, whatever that is. Totally. <laughs> just yeah. run, don't get the ball. <laughs> The twelfth man, or the twelfth, the twelfth woman, yes. the one bringing the oranges onto the field. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, isn't that interesting? So, and it's probably hard to remember. And obviously, there's so many more years' experience under your belt since then. But did you feel like it was um, an injustice, or you just simply didn't understand? I. It's very difficult, like it's really, looking back, it's very difficult for me to kind of really pinpoint mm. exactly what it was. But I mm. I know that my parents never, not one single thing, it was like, well, you can't do that because you're a girl. What was available to my brothers was available to me. And I definitely had a granny who was always, she was I, I didn't know the word for it, but she was all about um, empowering women and leading by example. So I couldn't, it's only now that I'm kind of removed from that situation that I think I must have just it been beyond comprehension that someone was telling me something that I couldn't do something because I was a girl because that had, I had never been told that. And so when I saw that, I was like, there was part of me, it was like, I, you can tell me that and I'm not going to accept it, but you could tell that to someone else and they accept what you're telling them. And, um, and then part of it is because I don't like to be told I can't do something (laughs) uh, as well, you know, (laughs) let's face it. (laughs) So, um, but that was, I, if, if you can't give me a good reason why there's no 1500 for the girls, then I am going to, and at the time, yeah. that was middle school. So I was only like 12. But I was like, I can run a 1500 meters and you're going to put an event out there. And my dad has a photo of me just running around this, tr- like this grass track on my own. Brilliant. Just because. Um, and hopefully, you know, they kept it for future years after that. But um, yeah. yeah, that's definitely been something. And that's something that hasn't changed since then yeah um you know I can uh if I see I think that's you know why I got so involved in the trying to get 50 women to Kona is because yeah if I don't get something and I can see that it's unfair um then as much as I'd like to just be able to like be a whatever it's not my problem 
because I'm going to yeah. qualify anyway. Uh, I'm not going to let go of it. And, you know, it's a shame that never, you know, we didn't actually make any change on that. But we definitely, that campaign raised awareness at least anyway. Definitely. And who knows what the the future of that looks like as well. We're in a very different landscape um, mm. for the future of uh uh, women's sport, sport in general. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think, in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I find it, I think I'm quite similar to you in terms of growing up and um, I definitely think my sort of attitude stem from you can't tell me what I can and cannot do. Um, you can try, but you're not going to win. Um, that was definitely sort of the way that I operated. Um I don't think I realised that I saw it as um, uh, as as an inequality for a long time until I got a bit older and reflect on it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I just remember, you know, playing drums in the school band. I was told, "Well, no, that's always been the boy has always done that." I'm like, "Okay, great chat." Uh, why can't I play the drums type of thing? And I was just, yes, yeah. it just, I, I just never saw it. Um, I never saw it as a bigger issue than just the argument that I was having then and there. Um, and I never saw it as a good enough excuse. Uh, and I, obviously that's, I, th- I think that's been deep down inside of me for a long time. And then it all sort of came up, you know, as I got a bit older and now I can recognize yeah, that I've, yes, I've yeah. always, yeah, seen those sort of, um, yeah, all those little moments in time have been that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, inter- it's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, you don't – it doesn't necessarily make sense at the time, but, you know, kind mm. of looking back, you can kind of see it builds. And I think um, I've always uh, – I think with uh, various things like – if someone who's got a position of power is telling other people that they can or can't do something, I it really riles me because yeah. that is not that person's job. They should be encouraging and creating opportunities for people to succeed, not trying to cap that person. You know, whether you're a teacher, it's you shouldn't be trying to limit the potential of that person. That's not your job. Your job is to yeah. teach and provide opportunities. And so um, mm. that, and, and at, at the time, you know, at school, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not particularly eloquent now, but I wouldn't have been able to order my thoughts, but I would just, it would be a sense of like, that is not right. And I'm not accepting it. Yeah. was kind of the feeling. Yeah. And just on being eloquent, I'm the least eloquent person in a room most days, but I think that authenticity uh, speaks louder than being, you know, rehearsed and eloquent. Um, That's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah. I think you are eloquent. (laughs) But, you know. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like not having to, sometimes you just have to, you get your your message out your way and however yeah. that may be I tell you what the last I feel like I'd forgotten but you know it's lack of sleep this you know having had Benjamin in last summer and like the lack of sleep you forget like how 
that really does impact on one's ability to, to think and string words together. But he sleeps now, so I'm kind of catching up a little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like I'm just starting to get on top of things now, and Frankie's nearly two. And, uh, yeah, you having um, Archie and then Benji, it feels like like you never had – not that I'm saying you um, – lost it completely but how do you go from <laughs> losing it for a while starting to get it back oh no gonna have another kid shit where, where, where have all my words gone where have my phrases gone <laughs> cannot be um oh geez. yeah do you know i think actually like going back to triathlon after having archie like it was really hard in some ways you know like the tiredness but the good thing is you don't have to think very much you think as a triathlete obviously but being on a bike for five hours is pretty much mm. like meditation when you're a new parent yeah um and I've realized you know because I've kind of wanted to kind of think about what I'm you know start to build up whatever's going to come next and it's much harder to sometimes I'm like oh, maybe I should come back so I can you know I think <laughs> I could ride my bike for five hours maybe but god think is really hard <laughs> well I think if you've proven anything to me from our um, first encounter you probably need to do more thinking whilst on a bike whether that be uh, on the road <laughs> on a stationary trainer so <laughs> that could be my problem <laughs> oh my goodness Joyce if we could um, I don't feel like we've covered off enough, so I'm just going to put it out there. I want to get you back on for part two of our chat, if that's okay, at some stage. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to get you back. There's so many more things to unpack and chat about, um, but I do have to get going. I'm sorry to cut this, to to cut it off. Um, think- but before, before you do go, um, there's one question I'm asking everyone at the end of the podcast, and that is, who is your favourite uh, celebrity Rachel outside of uh, the sport of triathlon? Not that I can think of many Rachels. Rachel Klamer, Klamer. I can think of her. Oh yes, yeah. But anyway, outside of outside of outside um, of triathlon. Um, there's a British actor, Rachel. Uh, there's a British um, actress, Rachel something, or isn't it Rachel from Friends? That's <laughs> all I can think of. It's Rachel from Friends. Um, but um, that's that's not good. There's a Rachel. There's an actress, uh, Rachel. Um, oh, it's not. Um, is she married to? Is she married to another actor? think she might be um maybe Liam Neeson or am I making that up oh, Rachel, Rachel Weiss. Weiss. yes that's who I'm yes. thinking of yeah she's pretty yeah. cool yeah I've seen a few of so, her her movies seems, seems what's good. one of them <laughs> what's one of them um, <laughs> I can't think now oh no, I know what she was in a, a recent one that I've watched The Favourite which is that kind of have you seen it it's like a period no. slightly off the wall um, ah. movie alright I'll check it out um, oh. I actually can't name any movies that she's in either by the way <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not no, very good she's at remembering in, movies. She's she's in definitely maybe with Ryan Reynolds. There you go. Check that out. It's a ah, rom-com kind yes. of movie. I think I have seen that one. Um, ah, it's a, it's a nice feel-good story. You know, yeah. just don't have to think too much with that yeah. one. So Perfect. you can ride your bike <laughs> indoors and watch yes. that movie. <laughs> Uh, Joycey, thank you so so much again. Sorry to cut uh, to cut you off, uh, but you probably need to go to bed um, or probably round yeah. up um, yeah. before we actually hit record. Archie had come in to have a bit yeah. of a chat, <laughs> so you probably have to go and check if he's asleep. Yes, probably curled up by his door. Yep. <laughs> the light on. Yep. Oh, um, well, thanks for having me on, and good to chat as always. Yes, thank you so much, and we'll chat again very soon. Thank you all for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment, and don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee-dip in awesomeness. <laughs>